You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, zesty zillions of zealots about Z-Donks and Zabranos. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 209, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your zoology enthusiasts in zoot suits talking kudzu, shih tzus, and zool over Zoom. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Ah, now, Karen, remind me again, as a Z-donk is half zebra, half donkey, I of guess? Of course. Or, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> and as the Brano, which I thought was going to be also some hybrid of a zebra, unfortunately, it is just a type of wood. Z-donk, zebra wood. Z-donk is zebra one wood. of That's the what best. I oh, zebra wood, yeah. Zabrano. Zabrano. So we've been getting a lot of uh, fan questions on across all social. We're on we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and people have been asking us how they can support our podcast because they want to. We've always had a Patreon link, mm. uh, but now I put it on the website so you can support us via Patreon. Uh, for a dollar, you get a gif of a of a bunch of beavers that I made. <laughs> Up to you. You can choose one dollar or more. Uh, and we thank all of you guys who have been supporting us so far. Absolutely, Chris. What big day today? Oh no! What happened? As, as in a previous episode, as the winner of uh, my cameo <laughs> quiz, here I am. I've bought with my own money. I've commissioned a cameo for you. This is your prize. And I said that I was going to have a surprise cameo of a surprise celebrity that you'd appreciate. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> and who did I choose? And who was available on cameo? <laughs> <laughs> and, who, and who could I afford? <laughs> I, you know, at first I was like, okay, well, there are a lot of wrestlers. I know you used to like watch wrestling. <laughs> I, did um, use, I did used to watch wrestling. If I had the money, I'd do Ric Flair. He was like five hundred dollars. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nature Chris, Boy. you're not worth um, Ric Flair money. Just to be clear, wasn't even a <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I went through members of Fleetwood Mac, James Taylor, <laughs> Beach Boys, mm. Adele. So none of them are on cameo. Um, okay, okay. I was like, wow, how much are they charging? It came down to somebody who you probably would never ever meet mm -hmm. uh who you probably won't see a show of and somebody who's unique uh someone whose name i know you know mm. <laughs> and, and here we go let's play chris's uh prize cameo take a listen hiya chris Didi Khan here, <laughs> old Frenchie from the movie Grease. Well, the good job brain crew told me that you won the contest. You won the big contest among the pub quiz friends. And this is your prize. Well, I feel honored to be your prize, Chris. I think that from everything your friends said that you are such a fabulous person, that you are a terrific dad of two, you're a supportive husband, that you're a treasured member of the trivia team, and that you have to just continue. Just keep it up being so brilliant and inspiring others to be brainy as well. <laughs> well, 
It sounds like you are really loved and appreciated and a fabulous person. And when something's cool in the movie Grease, we say, Awap, Baba Loomop! Awap, Bam, Boom! Chris, congratulations on winning the prize. And yes, keep going, baby. Brains are sexy. <laughs> I send you my love. Yay! Incredible. Yeah, incredible. So cute. It's Frenchie. She looks. She looks the same. She really like that's. She yeah, like that's Dee Dee Khan. Her voice. Icon is in her name. Incredible. Frenchie herself. Well, thank you. That's but wonderful. <laughs> so I'll, I'll send you the, the video. I own, I own her book. Really? I do. She wrote a. She wrote a Greece uh, scrapbook. Oh, it's cute. really good. Yeah, that was perfect, Karen. So I do love Greece. That oh. was really good idea. See, you guys were all scared. Good job. And <laughs> thought it was going to be a big joke. And it was, and it, it was, was heartwarming. Cute. It was heartwarming. Yeah. Thank she you. She was Dee not Dee willing Dee. to do the uh, Ric Flair woo, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> beyond the, woo, beyond the, the price. For the extra payment. Yeah. yeah. That woo is $500. <laughs> That'll cost you. <laughs> well, thank you, Karen. That's wonderful. Well, we recently found out in our one of our previous episodes that, Colin, you are not a fan of internet naming contests. Nor uh, <laughs> are you a fan of uh, blank, blank, McBlank face, Bodie McBoatface. Now, before I make too many enemies here on the internet, I, I, I should just stress, like, in and of itself, it's a fine joke. I, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the brigading of oh. internet polls and sandbagging of internet polls. Um, How many yes, emails? Did where, you get, where are you Colin? going with now this? You have to yeah, walk exactly. this back. What, 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 what has been named after me that I'm going to discover? Yeah, like some random liver <laughs> fluke or some animal like that, right? Oh, well, we had a, a trivia question about Bodie McBoatface. We hear a lot about these internet naming contests, and usually the first choice never wins because they're always a joke you know or you know something that's inappropriate they always go like oh we went with the second choice or the third choice which is a much safer choice i was like okay there must be a contest a big one where the internet first choice became mm. the actual name of what they're naming because so many like i think mountain dew had a contest to rename mountain dew and the number one thing was soylent green and they didn't you know <laughs> they, and other contests like that so i did find one a big one and it was talked about on a ted talk so this was the great story of mr splashy pants <laughs> mr splashy pants Greenpeace, as part of its its whale expedition, um, they're trying to raise awareness about uh, whales threatened by like the the Japanese fisheries, um, and so they had one whale that they were tracking, and they had this internet poll. Hey, you know, let's let's vote to name this whale. Someone put in Mr. Splashy Pants. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, to Colin's uh, uh, dismay, it was because someone found a way to bypass cookies and so started submitting <laughs> that name multiple times. Oh, okay. um, but then the internet got a wind of it and loved Mr. Splashy Pants. So then other people started voting for Mr. Splashy Pants. <laughs> and Greenpeace honored the good. people and went with Mr. Splashy Pants. Well, they, you know they, what? Integrity. Yeah. I yeah. think it's yeah. important. Yeah. yeah and the whale doesn't care. I could tell you the whale doesn't care. <laughs> but Dana did mention in, in that same episode where like a lot of these is, is purely PR, purely marketing. It makes news and people know about it, even if that's not the the, the name that they're going to go with. Greenpeace embraced it. it. It really became an internet sensation. They're like, yes, sometimes they, they call him um, 
the splashy panted one. You know, <laughs> for more poetic purposes. He he of the splashed pants. Oh. The splashed. How fancy. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment. Pop quiz. Hot shot. My, my desk is just littered with cards. I have to reread them to see if we use them already. All right. So get your barnyard buzzers ready and buzz in with the right answer. Uh, Blue Edge for geography. What chilly island nation straddles two massive tectonic plates, subjecting it to occasional fiery volcanic activity? That was Dana. Is it Greenland? It is not. Oh, no, I have a better. Colin. Uh, is that Iceland? It is Iceland. Yeah. Trivial Pursuit commentary here. The card says, should have been called Fireland. Why is it, Stay they, in it, your lane. Yeah. Leave, the, like, leave the jokes to the professional yeah. trivia podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pink Wedge for entertainment. New Zealander Lucy Lawless rose to stardom for her role as sword-wielding royalty in which TV series? Everybody! Xena, the warrior, warrior princess. Xena, colon, warrior princess. <laughs> Yellow Wedge for history. How often is the U.S. Census count conducted? Colin. Uh, I believe by law, every 10 years. Correct. Every 10 years. Uh, purple wedge for what is this? Oh, arts and literature. What literary mashup features Jane Austen's Elizabeth Bennett and Mr. Darcy fighting against a growing tide of reanimated dead? Chris. Pride and prejudice and zombies. And zombies. Correct. Mm -hmm. Green wedge for science and nature. Which vegetable is not in the brassica family? And that's spelled B-R-A-S-S-I-C-A. Not in the brassica family. Okay. Kale. Uh, there are four choices. Kale, artichoke, mustard, or Brussels sprouts. Oh, wow. Chris, oh. confidently. Artichoke. Correct. There are others are lettuce. They're leafy. Leafy oh, greens, I mustard see. greens, Brussels sprouts are like little lettuces, you know. Uh, last question. Here we go. Uh, orange wedge for sports and leisure. Which form of entertainment was deemed free speech after the 2011 Supreme Court case Brown versus Entertainment Merchants Association? Oh, Chris. Chris, I, please. I hate and I, I hate this question. It's video games. Correct, but. But of course, video games were always free speech. It's not as if the Supreme Court came in and they weren't free speech before, and they are free speech now. But but yes, they the Supreme Court affirmed the obvious uh, conclusion that video games are uh, encompassed in freedom of, of speech. Yeah. All right. Good job, everybody. Woo! So today. Our special topic, uh, actually, a lot of people suggested this in our in our uh, Facebook fan group, in our Lobe Trotters group, but I want to read this, and this is from fan Laura Beard Hayden. She said, how about reboots? People who have rebooted their careers by reinventing themselves, uh, and she lists ventriloquist and voice artist Paul Winchell invented the first artificial heart. Actor Ken Jeong was and well, is a medical doctor 
Brian May of Queen is a degreed astrophysicist. And then she also says, authors who switch names or genres like uh, Nora Roberts, a.k.a. Uh, J.D. Robb, Stephen King as Richard Bachman, items, inventions that were repurposed like Coca-Cola, which was originally for uh, as medicine. Play-Doh, uh, which we talked about before, was a wallpaper cleaner, and uh, or cities that changed their names, like Bombay and Mumbai. So, Laura, this is a great suggestion. It seems like there's enough to do multiple shows based on uh, based on your your suggestion. Uh, but today we're going to take a crack at it. We're looking at reboots, renames, rebirths. So this week we're pressing the reset button. Reboots. Okay, I have a quiz for you guys. I will start us off here. I, I went kind of for the theme of, of rebirth. And, okay. Uh, and with, I, I took sort of a musical angle here. I have a quiz Ooh. for you called, We're Getting the Band Back Together. Oh, <laughs> good, good, good. Perfect. And here, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, the, the angle on this quiz is, uh, you know, a lot of bands have been around for a long time. Sometimes they break up. Sometimes they have personality conflicts. Sometimes they have <laughs> contractual disputes. Sometimes they albums languish in development hell for years and years. So my quiz is about bands that have many, 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 many years between studio album releases. Mm. In fact, these are uh, among the mm. longest periods between albums oh, released. Oh, I see. Quiz. I see. So they're like dormant. Yes. For a long yeah. time. And Dormant. it's almost back yeah. to life. Yep. Where Come they're back. like, we're yep. not back musicians anymore. We're, now we're musicians again. That's we're, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Like sea That's monkeys. Right. Where they're dormant, and then you just add water. And then <laughs> now they're creatures. <laughs> they flourish. Yeah. 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 We're in only know, so easy. So uh, let's do this as a buzzer. Get your buzzers ready. I'm going to start you. I'm going to start you off with what I hope is an easy one for you. All right. In 2008. 15 years to the day after their last studio album, these rockers released their long-awaited, off-delayed album, Chinese Democracy. What band is this? Uh, uh, Karen, excitedly. Guns N' Roses. This is indeed Guns N' Roses. Woo! Yeah, 1993 to 2008. Now, here's the other uh, note I should add for this quiz is as we go through this quiz, the periods of time are going to get longer and longer and longer. Oh. So if, if oh, okay. 15 years is now the floor that we have established. Uh, oh. It's the okay. shortest so far. <laughs> That's right. Wow. I'm, I'm going to give you the names of all of these later released albums. That's how um, obscure some of them might be to you, even though you might have these artists in your iTunes library or your Spotify playlist. My punch bowl. All That's right. right. All right. Moving right along. Number two. In 2015, this rapper and producer, famed for his collaborations and guest artists, broke a 15-year hiatus to release the album Compton. What artist is this? Fame. Interesting. Chris, how, oh. mm, Chris has a guess. Dr. Dre? 
Correct. Yes. Yeah. It makes sense because he does. Dr. Dre. Yes. It was, yeah, it, it was right. inspired by mm-hmm. the NWA biographical film Straight Out of Content. Oh, that being makes in sense. development. Yeah. So, so he sort of started noodling around and that turned into his uh, into his album. So what was his previous album, The Chronic? The previous album was the confusingly named 2001, One, which the- came out in 1999. Mm. Okay. 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 Yes. Uh, no, he's only had like three solo albums. I mean, over his career. Yeah, the Chronic. You're, you're, two, yeah, yeah he's mean, a producer. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. All right, moving right along. In 2013, this iconic British heavy metal band reunited, more or less, including their legendary lead singer, to release their 19th and final studio album after a nearly 18-year break from the studio. The album was titled 13. Heavy metal. Dana. Is it Black Sabbath? It is Black Sabbath. What? Excellent. Yes, Dana, that's right. British heavy metal. Yep, legendary singer, of course, Ozzy Osbourne. With Ozzy. With Ozzy, with uh, Geezer Butler, uh, with Tommy Iommi, with like, they would have had their... That's the best name. Those are their founding members. Uh, they would have had their original drummer too. But again, the contractual obligations uh, disputes popped up. Now, oh. again, I should know. Now, one of the things with a quiz like this is they're going to be huge fans of some of these bands. I should note again, this quiz is about studio albums. Okay. Now right, you, right. some of these bands may have released live albums Got or- it. Solo, yes, that's right. Solo records, unofficial, you know, you know, re-releases, things like that. So these are studio albums only. Okay, number four. This hip hop band had been semi-officially broken up for nearly eighteen years when a one-off appearance on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon in 2015 re-energized the three founding members, prompting them to release "We Got It From Here." Thank you for your service the following year. <laughs> what band is this? <laughs> uh, Karen, go ahead. Is it Tribe Called Quest? It is a yeah! Tribe Called Quest. That's right. I was just like, what, three member? Yeah, Who that's goes right. Band? Yeah. And sad to say, you know, founding member Fife Dog died, you know, yeah. basically right when the album came out. Oh. Um, okay, get maybe a little more difficult here as we move on. Number five. It's already hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys have answered every one, but uh, you're working for it. You're working for it. The 2010 album, Something for Everybody, released after a 20-year gap following the band's previous studio disc, had cover art depicting a woman eating a miniature version of one of the band's signature energy domes. What band is this? What is that? Dana. Is this Devo? It is Devo. Yeah. Yeah. Energy Energy domes. Very good. Their hats. Yes. Their flower pots. Their uh, energy hats. Yes. They're they're in the band lore. They are canonically called the energy domes. Yes. Man, that's Mm. a good one. Yep. Yep. In 2013, after 27 years without a studio album, This old school hardcore punk band with a colorful name released an album called What The, which was widely panned for 
everything from the production value to the musicianship to the title to the cover art. They hated it. People hated this album. What band is this? Color. Colorful. Is British? Mm, they are American. Okay. Oh. Mm, it hasn't been that long. I was going to be like, oh, Green Day, but then it's been. It's- mm, Chris has a guess. Oh. Green Day? Uh, no, not Green Day. The band's previous album would have been 1985. Oh, okay. This is one of the most popular tattoos uh, among rock and punk fans you will ever see. Okay. I am looking for... Ram- I'll tell you, what. at one point, their lead singer was Henry Rollins. Oh! Oh, what is it? Time's running mm-hmm. out. I am looking yeah. for Black Flag. Black yes! Flag. Yes! Oh, I feel embarrassed that I didn't know this. I should have known this. Yeah, I think bad, you should have known it, too. Bad yeah, yeah. alt-Berkeley yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh. All right, last one. Last one here. In 2018, more than 37 years after their last studio album, this band released the rambling, eclectic, two-disc set named (laughs) Medicare Fraud Dog. And that's dog with two Gs, if that gives you (laughs) any kind of hint at all. Their previous album from 1980 was called Trombipulation. Wait, what kind of music? Did you say what kind of music it was? I did not say what kind of music. (laughs) There might might be a reason. It is Parliament! I told you guys I danced on stage with George Clinton. Yes, okay. (laughs) You know, I can't not think of that when I I hear Parliament (laughs) or George Clinton. (laughs) Okay, well, good job, guys. Yeah, you, you, you acquitted yourselves well there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So on the theme of rebooting yourself, it's uh, very common. It's very common in uh, Hollywood uh, for people when they start doing movies uh, to be credited in those movies under a name that is not their legal name. Ah. Mm. Sometimes this is just for privacy reasons. Uh, sometimes it's because of guild, uh, like Screen Actors Guild stuff that say that, you know, your name does have to be unique. Uh, for example, like Michael J. Fox. His middle initial is not J. The J does not stand for anything. When he started working, there was already an actor working whose name was Michael Fox. So he just had to go by, in that case, just a slightly different name. Then, of course, you have the case of actors such as Marion Morrison, who, you know, at first went by his high school nickname of Duke and was credited as Duke Morrison, but then changed his screen name entirely to the completely unrelated name of John Wayne. Um, and this was <laughs> this was purely for marketing purposes. The the you know the movie studios would change actors' names as a matter of course, just to something that they felt would sell more movie tickets and was appropriate for you know in this case the idea of a hero Cowboy. of the American West. Exactly. Yep. yep. And additionally, when I say that he picked the name John Wayne. I mean, the movie studio executives did it without even involving him in the discussion. No. They will come to you and be like, this is your new name now. I mean, this is literally, this is it. It's in your contract. It was a different era then, for sure. Yep. (laughs) Now, recently in the news, you may have seen it uh, go the other way, which is certainly a rare occurrence. Uh, You may remember that the uh, actress formerly credited as uh, Tandy Newton in Westworld, Solo, stuff like that. 
yeah. came out and said, hey, actually, Tandy is a misspelling uh, of my actual, um, which actually her middle name, her first name is Melanie, but she wanted to go as, uh, with, uh, her middle name, which is Tendiway, with, mm-hmm. with a W before the E. And they accidentally misspelled it in her first movie credit, and she just kind of went with it, which she now regrets and is changing it back oh, now in future oh, credits to Tendiway. Yeah. And again, she was just trying to go by her middle name. Today, somebody might go by their middle name. They might change their last name to something that's meaningful to them or a name that's in their family or a nickname or whatever. But again, in the past, it was an actor would get signed on a contract to a major movie studio because that was kind of how it worked, right? You just got signed on a contract to a studio and just did films for them. Mm. Uh, and they would as just 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 change your name. They were selling a product. You were that product, and they were going to give that product a, <laughs> yeah. a a a name like you would name anything on the shelf in a store. So Arch, Archibald Leach, Archibald Leach became Cary Grant. Um, Joseph Ewell became Mickey Rooney, and so on and so forth. And, and there there was one name change that would that as I was reading about it was fascinating to me as as, as in terms of how they actually did it, and that was the case. Of a young up and coming actress named Lucille Lesueur. 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 Yes, let's talk about Miss Lesueur. Tough name to get. To. Yeah. So <laughs> she was. She was born. Miss Lesueur was born in Texas in 190 something. She has um, throughout her life. She gave many different birth years at different times, and nobody's actually been able to pin down when she was born or how old she is. But she began as a dancer on stage in the early 1920s. Just think the quintessential flapper with the bobbed hair and the sort of scandalous, you know, above the knee dresses and yeah, funny (laughs) hats and, you know, and uh, she was discovered pretty quickly in, uh, in the early twenties and MGM Metro Goldwyn Meyer ended up signing her to a contract and she started doing movies, silent, silent movies under the name Lucille LeSueur, not leading roles, but just like she was appearing in these movies. So anyway, MGM is like, all right, Lucille LeSueur, you could be a really big star, but we've got to change your name. First and foremost, it sounds a lot like Lucille the Sewer. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. they, they were, from it's Luce, like Lucy from the Sewer. Like, what is, like, we can't, we cannot work with this. Yeah. Jenny from the block. She's like, have you ever been <laughs> on an American playground? You, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they decide to change her name before she got a lead role. Now, here's the fun and exciting part. When uh, readers of the movie magazine Movie Weekly opened up their March 27th, 1925 issues to page five, they saw a big splashy headline. And that headline was, Name Her and Win $1,000. Oh, my God. That's right, folks. Speaking of naming contest, they held a naming contest. And they named her... Lucy, Lucy Lady Pants. They, 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 <laughs> yes, they named her Actressy McActress Face. The end. Um, so I'll read, I will now read directly from this article for a little bit. I'm quite thrilled over this contest, which is to find me a new name, smiled pretty Lucille LeSueur across the luncheon table out at the Metro Goldwyn Meyer Studios. People have never been able to pronounce my name or spell it, she continued, etc., etc. I personally will favor one which is easy to pronounce and spell and also easy to remember. Of course, it must be a pretty name as well. Article says, Miss LeSueur is but one of the judges, and of course, the majority will rule, but her preference <laughs> will be seriously considered for after yeah. all. We'll take it under she's advisement. She's the one who will be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this, the article goes on for pages talking about Lucille LeSueur. And what, what's interesting about this piece is that it illustrates that um, uh, actors taking on new names was not some kind of a secret. They weren't right, trying to right, hide right. anything. Like here it was in all the magazines yeah, for all yeah, the fans yeah. to see. Here she is. Here's her name. We're, we're picking a new one. 
I'm sure uh, that you'll be interested to hear about the specific rules for this contest. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. The winner, the number one winner, got five hundred dollars, and that would be like about seven thousand dollars. That's in, pretty dang good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Ten runners up would get fifty dollars each. Here are the rules: It must be short or of only moderate length. It must be suitable to the individual who will use it during her entire picture career. It must wow. be euphonious, pleasing, and yet have strength. It must be a name easy to remember and quick to impress. It must not infringe upon nor imitate the name of any other artiste. Okay. So the readers voted that on September 5th, 1925, the Los Angeles Times ran this story in that classic way in which the story would have a big headline and then like other little headlines. <laughs> yeah, right, it, right, finally get to right. it. Something in a name at that. Cogno- <laughs> it's the big one. Cognomen of actress discarded. The next one. <laughs> Lucille Lesseur will now be known to film fans as Joan Crawford. Whoa! So yes, Joan Crawford, who in fact really was about to explode into movie stardom, uh, yeah. was that famous name, was chosen in a magazine contest. Now, the ending of this contest was not without some controversy. Apparently, the actual winning name was going to be uh, Joan Arden, A-R-D-E-N. But then there's conflicting stories about why they had to toss that. Possible that there was already somebody working at MGM with that name who complained. Also possible, it the name was fine, but multiple people submitted that name. And by law, like postal oh. service law, they would each have to get $500. <laughs> Which again was like seven thousand dollars. It was too so, expensive. And also, even though apparently they talked up this big judging panel that was going to include um, Lucille Lesueur and all these famous movie moguls and stuff like that, apparently nobody, none of them actually bothered to do it. So <laughs> the uh, young uh, female editor of Movie Weekly, Adele Whiteley Fletcher, said later that they just told her to just pick the name herself, and they were just like, "Oh, well, whatever you pick is going to be fine." So Classic. she okay. she she said later, like I named Joan Crawford, like I picked that name, and they had to just find one that only one person had, had mailed in. Apparently, and again, even though they said that Lucille was going to be involved in all of this, in fact, uh, she hated the name. They that's stuck so, her with it. That's so she thought it sounded like she was like it sounds like crawfish. Yeah, she said, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was fine. She do? Contest was a contest. A magazine editor picked out her brand new name. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to have done fine. So yeah, Joan Crawford, uh, her name was true. I, I know her best as the subject of, of, of or the making of Mummy Dearest. A little aside here, why did I decide to dig into the story of Lucille Lasser in particular? Uh, it is actually because I was reading about the phenomenon uh, known on the, the game show Jeopardy known as pulling a Cliff Clavin. And I don't know if you've heard of this. <laughs> I love it. Epi- so on an episode yeah. of Cheers. Cheers in 1990, yes, the, the know-it-all character Cliff Clavin, played by John Bratzenberger, goes on Jeopardy. And the plot is he has an insurmountable lead going into Final Jeopardy that, that he, he would not be able to lose unless he wagered all his money and got the question wrong. Um, he gets the, the final answer is Archibald Leach, Bernard Schwartz, and Lucille Lesueur. Uh, to which he responds, who are three people who've never been in my kitchen? My house. <laughs> <laughs> Wagers all his money and loses. And this move 
having a lot going into Final Jeopardy, wagering too much, losing. Now knows pulling a Cliff Clavin. So I had definitely heard Lucille Lesur was not was the original name and that Joe Crawford's stage name, but I definitely did not know it was a contest or picked. You know, like yep. by motivated by money. That's so that's so depersonalizing. Yep. And some rando was just going to pick it. Yeah. So <laughs> like they again, didn't actually care. Turned out no. they didn't I mean, care. Yeah. Again, had we had the internet, they could have stuffed the ballot box and she would have been uh, Mrs. Acty Pants. Yeah. <laughs> Make actress face. face. And then her daughter, Christina, actress face, would have written that. <laughs> <laughs> <Hating novel. laughs> actress, <laughs> actress face theorist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job or your title. As former corporate executives, we know firsthand that navigating corporate waters is not easy. My family doesn't come from corporate backgrounds, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. I wish people would be able to understand in this corporate world that talking about things that don't work or identifying problems does not mean you're a problem. We'll dive deep into what happens behind fancy corporate doors or Zoom backgrounds or whatever. Are they really performance improvement plans or just a legal tool to get rid of people? I know a lot of people have been saved because of them. We've created a show to help you navigate tricky corporate situations based on research and real life experience. I have really good advice. Don't go to a strip club with your team. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles, smart trivia. Good job, brain. And we're back. This week, we're talking about reboots. Okay, this is my turn. When I was thinking about what to do for this, I looked up, what is reboot? I saw the etymology of rebooting. You may already know, but reboot comes from the world of computers. It's the first thing people tell you to do when your computer is acting really <laughs> weird. <laughs> you have to turn it off and turn it on again. And so that's rebooting it. And then I was like, okay, well, what's the boot? Is it a piece of the computer? Is it a reference to like kicking the computer or something? That's is what it, I thought. Is it, like, is it a shoe metaphor? Yeah. You have to kick the computer twice. Yeah. Grandpa Simpson over here. Yeah. The reboot in terms of computers is based on a shoe metaphor. It comes from bootstrapping. Like at the top of the boot, there's that little um, loop and you use that to pull the boot further onto your foot. And when you reboot your computer, you turn it all off. When you turn it back on, a very basic program comes in and then it pulls the other programs online. It restarts everything. That's why it kind of oh! restarts your whole system. And it is related to that saying about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Like right. the 
the magical one right now where you pull yourself up. You're somehow able to pull your exactly, whole body up. With exactly. You. No, I mean, the old version was like, it's an impossible task. And somehow it got flipped. And right, became, well, it was sarcastic. Right. Yeah. It was a sarcastic expression. Like, go ahead, just pull yourself up by your bootstrap. It wasn't and the meant people to be were advice. Like, oh, yeah. So that's your computer. Your computer's bootstrapping itself back into, into loading. And I liked how poetic it was. And then I realized a lot of computer terms are very poetic or idiomatic. They're kind of loosely related to something else. And now that new meaning almost even for computers almost even becomes like the main thing you think about when you hear that word. And that's called semantic drift, by the way. Uh, So this quiz is about computer terms that reference older concepts that are from before computer times. And I'm going to tell you the older reference, and then you tell me what the computer piece is. Okay. Okay. So for example, the first one, super easy. This computer equipment reference is to a small creature with a long tail that fits in the palm of your hand. (laughs) A mouse. A mouse. Yeah. All right. Uh, You guys buzz in, and I will get started right now. So this concept references a giant or dwarf from Scandinavian folklore that inhabits caves or hills. I think I heard a dog first. Karen? A troll. All right. How about this? This communication style references a chirping little note. Oh. Colin. Uh, What is a tweet? A tweet. Yes. A little, a name for a message on Twitter. How about this one? This type of communication references a Monty Python skit in which the word is excessively chanted and drowns out all other talking. Chris. Spam. Spam. Where they are just. Spam mail is spam. Because. because, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Monty Python. I I always thought it was meat related. It is. I'll, I'll tell you what the skit is. I watched it to like verify. And so this couple comes into a diner and basically every dish on the menu has spam and there are a bunch of Vikings there. And then they just start chanting spam and the couple's like talking on this Usenet. Some, there were people just posting all sorts of ads everywhere and they were like, spam, they're like, spam, spam. spam. They're, yeah, they're spamming us. This is yeah. Like specifically because like Monty Python is the was the ultimate like nerd cultural like touchstone for all the computer nerds to reference that yeah next one uh, the name for this technology is a reference to a Scandinavian king who helped facilitate communication between various Danish tribes uh, I think Colin uh, that is Bluetooth yes Bluetooth oh, right. the, the logo Dana. is the rune is his rune mm-hmm. yeah yeah That's, his yeah. initials. Like because that technology was developed in Scandinavia and it, the guy who made it was reading a book about Vikings and it was about uniting the tribes or uniting people. Oh, that's it cute. Was, and his name yeah. was, it was, was Harold Bluetooth or the yeah. Bluetooth, is that right? Okay. Oh, it's a Mr. Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> okay. a dead tooth or something. Please, my father and not, was Mr. Like... Bluetooth. You could call him Harold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This program feature is a reference to a holiday game where children hunt for decorated foodstuffs. Oh. <laughs> Karen. Egg hunt. No. Oh. Chris. Ooh. Easter egg. Easter oh. egg. Yeah. When, in video games, a lot, this happens a lot where there's something hidden, a special little treat, or it's a little thing people put in for hackers to find in a program. They're Easter eggs. This type of malware is a reference to a legendarily stealthy Greek battle technique. Colin. Uh, That is a Trojan horse. Trojan horse. Malware where basically they implant malicious code on your device 
and it gives them access to it. All right, how about this? This uh, network security system is a reference to a building technique that helps prevent the spread of fire. Oh, oh. A firewall. Chris, a firewall, yes. A thick wall that's fireproof between units, so that way fire won't spread somewhere else. And so in computing, putting up a barrier between computers so that if something goes wrong with one, it won't hurt the other computer. Uh, this operating system feature is a reference to a small writing surface with a spring fastener at the top to hold papers in place. <laughs> oh my god! I never. I. I. I mean, it's clipboard, right? Yeah. But I yeah. never thought about. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little short-term space on your computer for data. Um, and lastly, this common interface element references a marker on a slide rule. Slide rule. Common. <laughs> Karen, yeah. Is it cursor? Yes. Oh. Yeah, because it's, it's a little triangle. little pointer. I didn't know that's what it was called on a slide rule, a cursor. Oh, that's really called good. The- Who uses yeah. slide rules anymore? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember, I remember even even as a very young kid, my it's like parents old talking about how old slide rules were. Yeah, yeah, how it was old to them already. Yeah. Speaking of computers, you guys remember Microsoft Office. You had a little mascot that says how how can I help you? Oh, yeah. Right? The yeah. little paper clip? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. In my mind, its name was Clippy. That's what I thought it was, too. It's Clip It. Mm. What? Like, Has it always been Clip It? Yeah, we just call it Clippy colloquially, but it was always Clip It. <laughs> I feel like I didn't talk to anybody about this paper clip, and now <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Oh, and all these conversations we used to have about the paper clip guy. He finally yeah. retired, I think, in the 2000s. They good, finally... for, good for him. Good yeah, for him. Yeah. 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 All right. My turn. Last quiz. So uh, our, our our fan topic suggester, Laura, uh, she, she mentioned at the end, uh, cities that change their names. At Pub Quiz, we get a lot of older names of cities, older names of countries or places or monuments. And I found out that this whole branch of naming places, it's called toponymy. Toponymy. Place Place name. Place yes, name. topography type, uh, topo, and then nimi, naming. It's so fascinating. So I here have a quiz mostly about places and cities or countries that have changed their names. They have former it. names. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest and not to be a downer, but but let's face it, a lot of these name changes are for political reasons, uh, for colonizing mm-hmm. uh for maybe empires that have risen and and then you know kind of disintegrated or and sometimes for weird fun reasons so here <laughs> is my quiz <laughs> of uh former names and current names let's buzz in here we go question one this was the former name of an ancient central asian region north of the hindu kush mountain range uh it's in current day afghanistan Nowadays, we associate this area more with a species of camels. There are only two. Yeah. Yeah. Commentary. Colin. Bactria. Correct. Bactria. Bactrian camels. Mm. They're the... uh, uh, Two-humped. 
two humped. Dana's a little uh, a mnemonic. B, uh, a sideways B has two humps, mm-hmm. and a sideways D has one hum dromedary back Bactrian. So Bactria ah. was a ancient region today yeah. in Afghanistan. You said uh, in other places, but mostly, okay. mostly, Most, okay. um, yeah, yeah. Okay, second question. The word serendipity actually came from a Persian fairy tale called The Three Princes of Serendip, Uh where the characters in the story uh, make discoveries by accident, hence serendipity, serendip. So serendip, along with Ceylon, are former names of what island nation? Chris. Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Yeah, Sri Lanka. Uh, One of its former names was serendip, where the word Ah. serendipity came from. That's a good one to know. Yeah. Okay. The name of what tasty Asian dish still contains the former name of a Chinese capital? Uh, oh, okay. Chris. Peking duck. Peking duck. That's good. Peking That's good. is, is I, some people might not know, Peking is a, a former pronunciation name of Beijing. Beijing. Uh-huh. It's same same place, same reference. Nanking, Nanjing, also similar. This is because there was the Pinyin pronunciation system for Mandarin, where where Chinese names sound a little bit more accurate to their actual Mandarin. Um, so Peking duck is also the same as Beijing duck, but we still call it Peking duck. <laughs> it gets so fixed as part of that's the dish. Yeah, right? that's it's the not, dish. Yeah, yep, yep. Right. yeah. I didn't know that they were the same place. Um, the, char- the characters are the same. It's just we, we yep. Tra- it's just tra- it's tra- just the the, the yeah. English pronunciation. Yeah, has has changed. Okay. Well, you guys know I love dogs, <laughs> and I am the the de facto dog breed person on our pub trivia team no doubt so so here i have a dog breed question hope you guys can get it uh this beautiful (laughs) and popular breed of hunting dog from africa is named after the former name of zimbabwe uh and uh for its whirly crown fur along its spine Okay, so we got a lot of angles in on this one former name of zimbabwe Zimbabwe. Mm mm-hmm and the oh, the was, dog has like okay oh man this crown of fur down oh oh oh, oh that was Dana I'm gonna be wrong is it Zanzibar or something no is is it okay, Ro- no. is it Rhodesian oh. something oh it Ridge, was Ridgeback yes oh, oh okay team Rhodesian yeah. Ridgeback uh named after Rhodesia and they're beautiful they're really popular Rhodesian Ridgeback. Browsing through Pinterest, you might see a lot of boho chic style. (laughs) Boho, short for bohemian, free-spirited, artsy. Uh, Where is bohemia exactly? Yeah. Colin. I think it is mostly in present-day Czechoslovakia. Present-day Czechoslovakia? Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I'm dating myself. I'm dating myself. Uh, today, it would be, man, in uh, uh, Slovakia. Or Czech, Czech Republic. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Czech wow. Republic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, with these regions, they, they span outside of the current country lines. Right, but predominantly, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, it's not about Czech Republic or, or that area. It's Bohemia is a whole movement, right? About like artsy, uh, very like anti-establishment. Actually, th- this is, and I'm going to read this from, from Wikipedia because it's written a little bit more clarification. So 
the the whole movement of bohemianism actually emerged in France um, in the early 19th century. You know, Toulouse, um, you know, Moulin Rouge, and this is when artists and creators began to concentrate in the lower rent, lower class Romani neighborhoods. Oh. Um, Bohemia was a French term for like the Romani people who were oh. mistakenly thought to have come from Czechoslovakia or wow. Bohemia. It's like so three levels. It's three <laughs> levels apart. It's like a game huh. of telephone. Like when we talk about Boho Chic and Bohemia, we're really talking about the movement. And the movement is named after a kind of a mistake from actual Bohemia, the, the mm. land. That's interesting. And then uh, today they have uh, Bohemia beer, which I believe comes from Czech Republic. Actual Bohemia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Can you guys provide me? I have two monuments here that were renamed Mount McKinley and mm. Ayers Rock. The uh, Colin. I think Mount McKinley was renamed Denali. Correct. And yes. I believe Ayers Rock was officially renamed Uluru. I, Correct. I think. Yeah. Okay. For, for for both of these monuments. Now back to its name that people were championing for, mm. um, Mount McKinley to Denali, which is in Alaska. Ayers Rock is now Uluru. This is the big, the massive rock monument in central Australia out in the outback yeah. where I ran a marathon. I ran around the rock. It's oh. huge. They just stop people from going up it, right? Yes. They, 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 they took off the ropes and like the things that mm. help you to climb it. So in China... The Zhang Jiajie, Zhang Jiajie. It's hard to pronounce the, the, the English pronunciation of Zhang Jiajie. National Forest is a national park in China. And you might not heard of this, but you've seen it. There, there are these big rock columns. They're beautiful, very foresty. Oh. They're spindly, filled with mountain-shaped like columns, or, or sometimes they're referred to as sky pillars. One of the pillars... Uh, originally named the Southern Sky Column, was officially renamed to honor what James Cameron movie? Oh, <laughs> it's got it. Dana. Is it Avatar? It is Avatar. It was renamed to, get this, Avatar <laughs> Hallelujah Mountain. Oh my, oh my what? goodness. Wait, who picked this name? Was this a fan name? Land of Pandora in Avatar, inspired by this national park, which it's floating rocks, the floating kind of spindly mountains and forests. Uh, I've definitely seen pictures of this That's online. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of does. like Chinese brush paintings. Surreal. But but yeah, renamed to Avatar Hallelujah. It even had the <laughs> Chinese name also basically says Avatar Hallelujah Mountain. Next question. Graphic designers rejoice. America has Lady Liberty and Lady Columbia. Switzerland has this lady as their national, what they call national personification. Uh, also oh. where a famous font face name comes from. Oh. Colin. Uh, it, it has to be Lady Helvetica. It's Lady Helvetia, yeah. but, but Helvetia. Helvetia. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and the font wow. comes from. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the font Helvetica <laughs> is named after yeah. the, the national personification, yeah. which I think actually would make a really great quiz in the future. 
um, national personification. Yeah, yeah. I, there, there's a whole list. It's it's really cool. I mean, a lot of them are like mother this country, you know, like mother <laughs> okay. Russia, and you're like, okay, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think I, it's I, Russia. I, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, Helvetica comes from Helveti, which is the the Gaul people living in the, the Swiss mountain range. Mm-hmm. They're graphic designers. <laughs> they like clean fonts. Perfect for subway stations. <laughs> That makes sense because I remember now uh, their their Switzerland's domain name is .ch, which I think stands for like Latin for Confederatio Helvetia. Yes, or something, you know, it is I, I'm correct. sure I man- I'm sure I mangled that, but yeah, 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 yep, 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 yep. All right, last question here. This historical region uh, literally means beyond the woods, but you might not want to bring garlic into this part of current Romania. <laughs> Chris. Transylvania. Transylvania. Ah, Trans across the woods. Sylvania woods. That is an actual region, historical region, and it's in current day Romania. All right. Good job, everybody. There's so many. There's so many former names. Obviously, history is very long and there has been uh, many takeovers or or creations of new countries or separations of, yeah. of, of countries into multiple different countries. But yeah, here's some of the interesting ones that you might not know. And that's our show. I do I do have an announcement. Sorry. So of course I want everybody to know something really exciting. Uh, all of our listeners uh, for season two, we're doing something really special. Uh, we are renaming Colin. So <laughs> send in. Send in your new names for Colin. Uh, at the end of the season, we're going to pick the the winner, and that'll just that'll be his new name. Something that's uh, easy to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. that uh-huh. is Happy. bold. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Something that speaks to his like those areas of strength and trivia. Something maybe about sports or music. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I'll I will have a vote among uh you know the other We'll just get somebody rules. random to pick. Yeah. Maybe Tyler. Can't wait. So just send him in. <laughs> All right, and that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about Joan Crawford, about <laughs> computers, about bands getting back together, and toponymy. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and on all podcast apps. And on our website, goodjobbrain.com. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Traffic jams tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.